We fall, we break, we fail. But then we rise, we heal, we overcome. I choose to live by choice, not by chance. To be motivated, not manipulated. To be useful, not used. To make changes, not excuses. To excel, not compete. I choose self-esteem, not self-pity. I choose to listen to my inner voice, not the random opinions of others. I choose to do the things others will not, so I can continue to do the things others cannot. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior replied, I am the storm. This is Doc's Daily Dose, and you are a warrior. Welcome to Doc's Daily Dose. I'm your host, Coach Doc. So we're coming around to the last few interviews that I've recorded, and this one was something special. You see, before I did these interviews, I sent out a Google form, just kind of some preliminary questions so that I can get some background. I knew that these were the people I wanted to interview, but I wanted to know a little bit more about their story. And when I read Latoya's story, I mean, it was just like a pinpoint parallel to so many of my experiences. It's not exactly perfect, but I mean, whether it was our parents dealing with drug addiction or going in and getting degrees in behavioral science, focusing on meditation and self-improvement and helping others and trying to heal others. I just knew that this was going to be a fun conversation for me. And it really, really was. And so I really hope you enjoy this because I think Latoya has so much to offer the world. And just in that little brief time that I was able to speak with her, how much she offered me in conversation. So sit back, relax, and take a listen to Latoya's story. Latoya, it is a pleasure to have you on with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. I'm super excited for this conversation because I don't know if you know, but I think we're living on parallel universe timelines with each other when I got to read about your history and background. Um, yes. there, there are so many similarities. It's kind of startling. Uh, I want to start with one of the ones that um, was a big influence in my life. And a lot of people know that during the late 80s, early 90s, when crack epidemic hit, like my dad got wrapped up into that and brought it into our house. And you dealt with something kind of similar, right? Can you talk to me about that? Exactly. I grew up in Brooklyn, in the PJ's projects. Mm -hmm. It was during that time where the drug epidemic had sprung into full force. So everyone was engaging in either drugs or gangs. Age was just a number, kids, parents, you know, adults or whatever. And both of my parents were drug addicts. They eventually lost their battle to that you know, amongst other afflictions. I'm the youngest of eight children. Do you remember that era? Like, I don't, sometimes I don't think people like really know what that was like. What What do you remember about that time in Brooklyn? And I'm curious to see if it was different than what it was here in Los Angeles. See, the thing is, I was two years old. Like, I knew my parents for like just two years, in other words. So it's like I'm getting a lot of my backstory from my siblings. They had to tell me like gotcha. third party person, you know. So, you know, I'm, you know, it's like needles everywhere, drugs, you know, different people in and out of the house and everything went, you know, everything happened in the project. As a young child growing up there, 
you know, my siblings or whatever, they face a lot of different adversity. But um, as far as myself, being so young, I didn't really witness a lot. Okay. And I take that as a blessing in a way because I would have spiraled down, you know, downward from there. But I was taken away. Um, I was put in foster care at the age of two because my parents, they pretty much couldn't take care of us. So we were pretty much all put in foster care. I was the youngest, of course, and right. got adopted shortly after that. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, like it, because it, it happened when I was of age, right in middle school, to mm-hmm. kind of see everything. And I tell, like, we had the project in our neighborhood was called the Snake Pits, and then there was another one called okay. Kings Manor. There was a street, like one street, for about a ten to twelve span block, where like you could do or get anything you possibly could wow. think of, right? Like, right. so uh, it's it's interesting when people like, oh, you know, that time, but it was real. Now you you said as you mentioned you eventually get adopted but you told me that you felt something was off. What do you mean by that? What did you feel during that time? I did and that's after I got adopted like about 8 years old and it's funny how a child's mind can really go back in time and I'm one of those kids that you know I have like a um a long-term memory. So I felt okay. like something was off about my mom like she wasn't really my mom like there was something else about me that I knew nothing of and one time it's really sad but one time she was she lived by the bible so okay everything was strict children should be seen not heard and she was whipping me I don't know what it was about if something wasn't done right or it wasn't done on time and I looked up at her and I said I was like sometimes I feel like you're not even my mother and she just had this weird look in her eyes. And I'm like, wow, something's, like, really different. Something's off, and I can't put my finger on it. And I was only eight years old. I can remember that time. Did that affect kind of your personality as a little kid besides just getting those whoopings but then also feeling something was off? Did you did you shut down or did you act out? I did. Um, actually, my mom, she told me that I was, I was mute. In other words, I didn't talk for like a couple of years. And I think it was a oh, lot wow. to do with the mental abuse, the mental abuse and the physical abuse, because unbeknownst to me, she actually lost a daughter that at two years old, and she adopted me at two years old. So think about it, you know, the pattern or whatever. Yeah. So she probably saw her daughter in me, and it was probably a lot of bent up anger. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, but I just knew that something was off and at that age I was so young so I couldn't really put my finger on it but I was trying to and I couldn't ask for so many questions because he was the type of person you know don't ask questions just do as I say and it was really it's a hard time growing up and she was a single parent um single parent household so you get through that um Mm -hmm. and you get yourself into high school and graduate and you decide to go to the navy what made you pick the navy what make that choice I picked the navy and I'm gonna be honest (laughs) I'm sorry about this, but it was a recruiter. He was nice looking and everything. I'm like, wow, you know, they have all this paperwork. Because it was on the way to the lunchroom, so I have to pass there every day. And every day I will pass, and I will look, and I will just keep going on forward. I'm like, the military? No, I can't even kill a roach, you know. We live with roaches and everything. <laughs> I can't even kill a roach. How am I going to, like, fight people? Like, come on now. But one day I'm like, you know what? This is my way out. It was for right. me to find a way out of my, like, my environment it was very toxic way to fight back in other words you know my mom she didn't have any faith in me she didn't believe in me or anything like that so I had to prove myself and that's the way that I thought that I could now what did the Navy provide for you in your life and what did you find out about yourself during that time well it provided discipline that is one thing it provided discipline it helped me find out who I was that I'm a fighter that I'm a warrior 
that I can be somebody, that I'm not just a person just going through life. I am somebody. I have a purpose. Now, during this time, uh, you also found out you were adopted. Walk me through that day and, and your feelings surrounding that whole reveal. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So I get a call. <laughs> this is crazy. I get a call on the phone, and you only get emergency calls. Like if somebody, there's a death in the family or something or a birth maybe, maybe even that. But I got right. a call, and the, my um, PEO um, had called me and said, hey, you have a phone call. You know, my name was Nick at that time, OSS in Nick. So I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at him confused, like a phone call for me? Like, what's going on? What's wrong with my mom? You know, something happened to her, right? So the lady on the phone, she called me, and she was like, hey, Latoya, I'm your sister. I'm like, what? I'm like, who's playing a prank on a phone call right now? It's not the time. Like, we're, we're battling out here. You know, I have, like, other problems and everything. Right now is not the time. She's like, no, I'm your sister. I'm like, no, you're not. I don't have any sisters. I don't have any brothers. I don't have any siblings. Like, you need, you need to stop playing games on the phone. So I hung up. <laughs> oh, wow. And they called me back. They called back. And my PO was like, hey, let's well, You have another phone call. I'm not really sure what's going on, but you have a phone call. So then she told me the story of everything. And I just, like, literally, I just started crying because I'm like, wow, she's, she's serious. Like, this is serious business. When I knew it wasn't a prank because she was telling me things about myself. And I started to remember bits and pieces when you're hurt and you go through a lot of trauma you you tend to shut down right. so you tend to hide those memories but they're still in you so i started remembering certain things i'm like wow this did happen wow i do remember you and she just kept telling me about everything that was going on in my life and what had happened and how i got taken away pretty much and how it's hidden from fight or whatever so i was like oh my god i was just was crying. They had to, like, literally take me to the, um, what's it called, the counseling services in the, on the ship to, like, comfort me because I had broke down. Now, did you end up uh, reuniting with your seven brothers and sisters and, and re, uh, you know, building a relationship with them, or was it just, like, thanks for the information, but I want to live my life as it is now? You know, it's a little bit of both because in the beginning, I bonded with a couple of sisters and um, one of my brothers, and it was like, wow, we found our sister, we found our youngest sister, you know, wow, this is so great. But then you got to realize there's a lot of animosity as well, because I was adopted first, right? They went into the system as well, but they were kind of bad, you know, they were older than me, so they were a little bit bad, running the streets, stealing stuff out of the store, food and everything. And for me to get adopted first and to be the baby, they had a lot of anger towards me, like, who is she? Why does she get this special treatment and everything? And then I, you know, I married and everything. I um, got a house and all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, they still were struggling, too. It was like a, a mixture of feelings. Now, you also went and got a degree in applied behavioral psychology, which I don't know yeah. if you know, but that is what my degrees are in. Um, yes, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so I know why it was. Yeah. I know why that field was appealing to me. And I'm curious, what made you interested in behavioral psych? Well, originally, I wanted to go into the criminal justice field. That was just my mm -hmm. thing. I just, I don't know what it was in me, but I wanted to fight, defend people, and get the bad guys. I was just like that type of person. Office job? No, not for me. Defending people, police force? Yes, that was my job. Felt like, okay, well, I was working in the ship at that time, so... I couldn't really delve into that career. Fast forward a few years later, let me just go into psychology. So I did that, 
I realized I knew a lot about psychology. I found out a lot about myself. And it's such a wonderful field to go into. You find out so much about the human mind, behavior. I mean, come on, it's like one of the best fields. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a clear indication to me that like because of some of the turmoil I grew up in, I already knew people because I had to grow up so fast, right? Like right. I knew I knew who was sketchy, I knew who I had to avoid, mm-hmm. I knew what was safe, and I had to make a split second judgment just exactly. for survival. You know what I mean? Exactly. Now you like to call yourself an empath, which I have been mm-hmm. told I am as well. And where do you think mm-hmm. that came from? And, and well, first off, you know describe what? what that describe what that means to folks, and then tell me where you think it came from. Okay. So an empath is someone who um, can feel others' emotions, like if you have a sickness or a disease or you're just struggling in life. Like, I'll feel that. I'll feel it. Like, I'll know it sometimes before you even tell me. And I found this out when I was in my third year of college. I just started, you know, just like kind of studying some things and meditation and just like looking at things. I was like, what? I was like, hold on, there's something different about me, you know? And I started looking up some things. I was like, that's why I'm going through so much right now. And friends are kind of, like, dispersing, like, going their own ways. And you feel like you're alone because you're doing a transition. You're transitioning because you're something different. Empath is not just about empathy. It's about actually feeling emotions, take on those emotions. If you have a sickness, I feel that. If you're going through something that's just so just crazy or out of this world, I can feel that. I'll cry. If you're happy, I'll feel that. But mostly it's sadness. And talk to me, because a lot of people, when when they hear empath, they think like healers and, and workers. But yes. I don't, I, and I don't know if that people ever understand how difficult it can be on your own person. It is. It is. It, it drains you. It really drains you. Um, one thing, like my mom, she's a mom, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for being adopted because I could have been in a, a worse situation, like seriously, a worse situation depending on, you know, going by my background or whatnot. So I'm actually thankful for being adopted. It wasn't the best thing, but it was better for me. My mom, one thing she said about me, she's like, you know what, you're a healer. Because she had arthritis, and I always remember this to this day. Like, I would rub her legs and everything and massage her calves and everything. And she was like, you know what, every time you put your hands on my legs, I just, my arthritis just disappears. And I remember that so clearly. I was only eight years old. I remember that. It seemed like a lot of things happened when I was eight years old. A lot of things happened. And to this day, I remember that. And um, my husband, this is something I didn't mention in my um, interview, but my husband, he actually had cancer and he has stage four cancer and it's angiosarcoma cancer. So we had a long time trying to diagnose him with that, with the doctors and stuff. They were asking me about him. They was like, well, you know, he's making it this far, and they're, like, puzzled, getting every research that I can find, giving him every vitamin that I could find, and just, like, massaging his areas, praying over him. And he's like, every time you touch me, like, I feel like the pain just goes away, like there's nothing there. And I was like, wow. Did my wow. mom really say something that was right? Right. And it's just crazy. They actually wanted to interview me, too. <laughs> nice. It's interesting you mentioned eight years old. Uh, my middle mm-hmm. son, my middle son, who is very sensitive and can pick up on feelings very well, mm-hmm. like anytime I wake up with a headache, the first thing I do is right. like, hey, can you, rub, can you rub my head? Because whatever mm-hmm. his hands do is something different. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Now, with... With that being so draining, how do you refill your cup? Well, there's certain things that I like to do. Obviously, meditate. 
I like mm-hmm. to drink my tea. As I mentioned, I like my big cups of tea. <laughs> okay. I love any specific candy. kind of tea? Um, not really. Just anything that's pleasing to my taste buds. <laughs> okay. Okay. I also like my candles. Like they um, there's a study that is done because like I did a lot of studying in college, and it says that smells reach your brain faster than hearing or any other like sense that you have. And one of my favorite scents, and I'm, I'm going to disclose it to you guys, is Zen. Like, that just takes me into a whole different world. Like, nice. I'm, like, in heaven. Zen, yes. I'm, like, seriously, I'm just <laughs> – it's just so hard to explain, but it's a nice smell. And well, I, I just love that. That got me through college and everything. So. Well, and it may be easy to explain for people because a lot of people – well, maybe they know. I don't know if they don't know. Mm-hmm. But majority of your taste buds, it's not actually mm-hmm. from your tongue. It's it's the association with the smell of the food that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so exactly. that, that's interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because you like candles, have you ever tried the flame meditation? No, I haven't. Uh-uh. So you light a candle, you put yourself in a dark room okay. with the candle, and then as you sit and kind of get your breathing and get relaxed and calm, you then, you know, gently have your eyes open, not wide open, but just kind of gently lowered. And you just stare at the flame. Okay. You should try it. It uh, Some very interesting things happen. <laughs> some very interesting things okay. happen. And I think if you really love candles and you like the smells uh-huh. associated with them, to do that type of meditation, I think, uh, might. Uh, it, who knows? I, just report back how I'll, if you ever try it. Let me know. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> I'll try that. And it's so funny now, um, that you say this because I was looking at you know, the Oculus, right? And it was mm-hmm. a guy, um, he was doing a flame candle, and I just felt so relieved just watching him. He's just walking from side to side, lighting a candle. I was like, wow, somebody lighting a flame that just put me so at, you know, at peace. Yep. And I was like, wow, it's fire. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, you also have started on several books. I've got three in the works myself, and I need to finish those. You've focused on mm-hmm. fitness, and you've put together meditations yourself. To me, this is a sign of someone who has a lot of knowledge to share. So what's an underlying message you feel you you want to share to the world? Well, <laughs> I would say this. Everyone has a story, something to share that can help someone be a better version of themselves. You know, and it's like one piece of advice that I have that I like to repeat from time to time is something my mom would say, you know, when she did say good things to me. Even mm-hmm. a fool can teach someone how not to be a fool. I always live yep. by that word. And it's like just because life dealt you a bad hand doesn't mean that you aren't special. You are worth it. We all are fighting the same damn fight. And we will fight yes. until the end. So don't ever think of yourself as a victim. That's one thing. I don't think of myself as a victim. I survived. I'm still here. You know, I'm still fighting. But whatever it is that you're trying to overcome, believe in yourself. Know that you can do it. You can succeed. Like, look at me. I came from nothing. I held on and climbed back up. You can too. I love it. And now there was a point in your life after, you know, being married and having kids Mm -hmm. where you mentioned to me that you had kind of this dark period that you described sitting in a corner for a few months. What led you to that dark place, and then how did you come to the light? Well, it's actually when I found out that my husband had cancer, and it just devastated me. We have three kids. We have one child. Um, well, he has one child from a previous relationship, and 
it was just so much for me. It's like I felt like my world was crumbling down. Very humble, but in the day, I feel like I'm a I'm a decent person. You know, I'm like I'm there. I'm the person that you cry to, that you've been to, even if I have a lot of things going on in my world. And she happened to buy me an Oculus, like um, not too long afterwards. I feel like I'm endorsing Oculus. <laughs> But he happened to buy me Oculus not too long. And I'm like, I'm not trying to game, not at this time and time of point in my life. No, I'm not trying to do anything like that. But I happened to charge it up. Let me see what this is all about and everything. And I was looking for meditation stuff, not gaming, meditation, workout stuff. And I came across the um, Supernatural and your coach of Supernatural. And one of the first workouts that I did was your workout. And I was like, wow, there's something different about him. It's like the way that you encourage me. It felt like you were speaking to me. I'm like, how does he know? How does he know that I'm going through so much right now? And it felt like you were just, that direct message was towards me, like no one else but me. And I was like, wow, like he gets it, how you connected with everybody. You connected with me. I was like, wow, he's like, he's doing so much in his life and he's connected with me, little old me. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was in awe. I'm just a regular guy with a cool job. That's all. Uh, uh, <laughs> <so sweet. laughs> but I'm curious too, because that makes me think about something else, and mm-hmm. uh, that happens to me often. And I'm wondering if it happens to you too. Okay. For whatever reason, one like kids seem to get me more than adults do. Like I can, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who the kid is, I I can connect oh. with the kid at any age. But yeah. um, the other thing with adults is random strangers will tell me they will just come up and share some would call it tmi just way too much information and like all it was was i just said hello and all of a sudden like i'm hearing about the divorce the hemorrhoids like i'm hearing about everything Mm -hmm. um is that something you run into in your life and if so like how'd you get comfortable with that well first of all i'm going to um answer one question um first of all you're an empath because people feel like you're special they can see you they can sense you okay they can sense your aura before you even speak. People that are hurting, they just, they'll come up to you. They can sense your presence. They're like, wow, you know, I can talk to him. The same thing happened to me. Like I went to, it was an upscale thrift store the, um, in Daytona, Florida. I don't know if you, you probably haven't visited that place before. But um, I went in there and I had my crystals on and they just came out of the woodwork. They were like, oh, I can see you. I'm like, what am I, an angel or something? Right. And it's like, you know what, you have a different presence about you. I was like, wow. And I wasn't scared. It's like I knew, but I was like still like, wow, you can see me. They would just like tell me certain things and hear things. And yeah, TMI, yeah, especially that, yeah. I, I get that. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it leads to some great conversations and some eye-opening mm-hmm. world perspectives, you know what I mean? Um, right. It's right. just all of a, all of a sudden, uh, and it, it's also helped me just be able to be kinder as a person and realizing that, mm-hmm. like, maybe that person just needed someone to talk to, and if, if I can be that in the moment, exactly. then I might have, you know, who knows what you do for them. Exactly. I mean, that you're special. Excuse me, I come to terms with that as well, too, because the thing is, when people have been to you and they tell you everything, it drains you a lot. Some people have more yeah. problems than others. And I've noticed that because I've talked to some family members, and sometimes I'm like, okay, I have to take a break. Why? Because it's taking my energy, it's yes. taking my energy yeah. right now. So I have to, like, call them back sometimes. You know, I'm like, okay, let me call you back in a few minutes, right? Because I have to replenish my energy 
So that's when I really realized, okay, yeah, I'm like deep in this, really deep in this. So my last question to you, Latoya, is I'm just curious as to like, what's, what's the plan for you? What, what happens with Latoya moving forward? Like, where, where do you go? What do you do? Oh, that, that might be the tough question right there. Um, it's like I want to do so much in life and everything. Um, <laughs> like, I'm in the process of writing a few books. You know, I have some meditation videos as well um, on YouTube. I wanted to go into the school system. I figure that, like, my kids are there, and it's been, like, so many different things happening in school, like shootings and stuff like that, and just, yeah. just crazy madness. And I was thinking of becoming a, either a counselor or, you know, a teacher or whatever. Counselor would be better, crisis counselor, because I feel mm-hmm. like I can um, relate to a lot of kids' problems because I've been there. Best right. person that can relate to things is a person that's walking those shoes that's been there. Yes. And so that's, that's pretty much where I'm trying to head right now, and I'm pretty much trying to get my kids into the same school before I, like, delve into that. <laughs> okay. I think you would do Beautiful things, uh, working Thank as you. a counselor and helping others. Uh, where can others, but especially myself, find your YouTube meditation? Um, you can find me on YouTube. <laughs> Is it what, do you have like a name? Do you have a name to your channel or anything? Yeah, don't laugh. <laughs> it's Lord. Okay. I feel like I'm Lord, like God or something like that. Please don't laugh at me, but yeah. <laughs> it's spelled L O R D E. <laughs> okay. No, I believe it's in all of us. So, uh-huh. um, well, I want to thank you so much for such a riveting conversation oh. and just engagement. Um, as soon as I got to read some of the, the stuff you we had prepped for the interview, I was I got a lot to talk to her about. Um, <laughs> so, all I know is keep doing what you're doing, and I'm damn sure know that this is going to definitely be of benefit to somebody listening. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking the time out to interview me. I really appreciate that. LaToya, I know I already said it, but thank you again just for being you, for your existence, your perseverance, and your desire and willingness to help so many other people. I want to talk about a few things mentioned in this conversation. The first has to do with her joining the Navy. For a lot of folks in our situations growing up, socioeconomic status, demographics, culture, race, ethnicity. Here in America, we have to find a way out of our situation. And there's very limited options. Not because the options are actually limited, which they are, but because we don't know anything else. We know what we see, as does everyone else. And until you step outside of that box and see something more, you don't even know it exists. So I'm so glad she found the Navy regardless of what brought her there, because it allowed her to expand her wings and take flight. And in that Navy, she gained the greatest gift of all. To me, the greatest characteristic of any human being, which is discipline. To be disciplined in anything takes so much discipline and courage and strength, as well as vulnerability. Because the moment you hold yourself accountable, there are great times and there are really, really tough times because you have a tendency to beat yourself up a lot when you focus on discipline, because you wanna give yourself grace, but it's really hard to when you know you can accomplish great things. And since our stories paralleled so much, I'm gonna share some other parallels that I think are interesting with some concepts that I just wanna express here. The first one's about identity. She knew something was off growing up, but until she got this phone call in the Navy, she didn't know she was adopted. 
And then in an instant, her identity switches. Very similar to mine. I grew up as black and Mexican. That's what I was all my life. Antonio Mariano Harrison. My mom's maiden name is Salazar. Like, could you imagine that though? Antonio Mariano Salazar. Like that just that just rolls off the tongue. But about five years ago, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, I found out grandpa wasn't really grandpa. I wasn't Mexican. I was black and Italian. Nana liked to have a little bit of fun. And uh, that was a hidden secret. My mom found out. And with one phone call from my mom, all of a sudden I was no longer black and Mexican. I was black and Italian. But it lets you know the power of the narrative and the story that we tell ourselves and how it rings true for us. Yet it is so false because it can switch in an instant and everything changes. So be careful of what you attach yourself to in terms of your identity and realize it's just a label. It's just a label. But the label that I have got to give LaToya that I feel is fitting and deserving is healer. For folks like her and myself who have gone through trauma in our life as children, we tend to come out the other end if we make it as healers. We have to. We don't really have a choice about it. It is a path that is laid forth for us. Because we've made it to the other side, we can't look back or to the side or in front of us and see other people hurting and not help and try to provide a way for them to see their greatest self. And even in that trauma we go through, we pick up great things. Like LaToya said, her mom shared with her even a fool can show you how not to be a fool. Another parallel for me. I always talk about how my father, he didn't teach me so much what it was to be a husband. He showed me what it was not to be a husband. So yeah, I had some roadblocks and some hurdles and some things I had to learn. And it was a bumpy road when I got married. But I knew what I didn't want to be, not only as a husband, but as a father. He also showed me what I wanted to be as a father. But sticking with this script here on husband, I had to learn for myself. But I knew the things by watching him that, nope, don't want to be that. And that was super helpful because otherwise I think there would have been so many more roadblocks I would have had to gone through. And the last thing I'll say is LaToya. I hope you go through with your plans and become that counselor at a school for children. I know for damn sure that I would trust you with my little ones, all three of them. Interestingly, just this year, my eldest has had some trouble in school academically, not behaviorally. Everyone loves him, but he just wasn't turning in assignments, wasn't engaged in class, wasn't doing well on tests and just kind of bombing things. And the teachers never communicated to us. It just wasn't until we got a report card. They were like, what the hell is going on? And so we had a meeting with some of the teachers and the dean and the director of the middle school. And my final point after a heated meeting, because I was pissed off, my final point to them was, you know what makes me the saddest out of all this? You see a middle school boy hitting puberty. He's one of the few minorities in this school. He does not come from an affluent family like the rest of these folks here who have old money. And not one teacher outside of his geography teacher, Mr. Johnson, which I will add because it's a poignant point, a black male, pulled him to the side and asked if he was okay, if anything was going on. No one did that. I knew what was going on. His first grade of middle school, sixth grade, on Zoom during the pandemic. And now he's supposed to be back in school and everything's supposed to be 
as is standard status quo. He hadn't learned how to be a middle schooler yet. He hadn't learned what it meant to study and take exams and use a planner and organize. But yet no one asked at all how he was, if he was okay. And I have a feeling that if there was someone like you, LaToya, on campus, that wouldn't have been an issue. So I truly hope you follow through with your plans. And again, I thank you for being you and for sharing your story. And so for the rest of you, your homework. I actually have two options for you today. And LaToya, one of the options I'm going to include you in for homework because I talked about it on the podcast. LaToya, if you haven't tried it yet, and for everyone else, try the flame meditation. Dark room, light a candle, eyes low, and just stare at the flame and settle the rhythm of your breathing. See what happens. See if you can do it for at least 20 minutes. It can be mind-blowing. And if you can go to 30, oof, you're in for a world of change. But if that's not your jam, I want to take the advice from LaToya that she gave to all of you and use it for homework. Find somewhere, somehow, or with someone to share your story. Make it a social media post. Put up a YouTube video. Talk to a stranger and just share your story. Grab your kids who don't know maybe what it was like for you growing up and share your story. That coworker that wants to get to know you, sit them down, go to lunch and be like, this is who I am. See how people respond and see how it makes you feel. Because there's always someone out there who needs to hear your story. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening and much love always. Be grateful for adversity, for it forces the human spirit to grow. For surely, the human character is formed not in the absence of difficulty, but in our response to difficulty. Thank you for listening to Doc's Daily Dose. I truly appreciate you. The ability to be honest and show strength and vulnerability doesn't happen without you pressing play. If you've got any suggestions, any ideas, or simply want to help make this show bigger and better, at the end of the show notes here, please feel free to donate and support Doc's Daily Dose. If you've got any questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, well, hit me up. A simple email, coachdoc at muchlovealways.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on muchlovealways.com and check out anything else on the website. Again, I'm truly thankful for you. Much love always.